You put your all into delivering quality and value on time. And when your customer doesn't pay, it doesn't just hurt your feelings. It hurts your business. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect overdue receivables fast and treat your customers with respect. Go to MetCredit.com to get started. MetCredit, we get it. This is Overdue Advice, the podcast about how and why debt collection works for your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Everybody pay up. Welcome to Overdue Advice. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Today we're talking with Stephanie Fleons. She's a trade payment specialist for DNB Worldwide Data. That's done in Bradstreet. Not only will we be chatting with Stephanie about how she works with MedCredit and others, but we'll be talking about how they use their data to help their partners. Plus, we'll also talk about how to continue to develop healthy client relationships, and most importantly, how to avoid risky credit woes. Hey, Stephanie, I got to ask you right off the top, tell us a little bit about your company. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, Dun & Bradstreet has been in business for 173 years. Um, it started on handshake, right? So the credit was a handshake. Uh, you're going to buy something from me and you're going to pay me on time. And it has evolved to now where we are the world's largest trade uh, payment database. We're in 170 countries. We have over 700 lines of business providing trade payment information. Um, we have over 15,000 partners in over 140 countries, and we have 360 million lines of global trade. Wow. I was just going to say, what do you learn over 173 years? Pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. Where we've evolved from a, a data company to a data and technology company, and so our data is used primarily in three, four, five areas. Most companies know us as a risk company, um, buy credit reports from us, right? We have the family trees, so you can see who owns who, uh, the subsidiaries and, and uh, branches of a company. Companies use us for uh, revenue opportunities. So in sales and marketing, they buy sometimes our um whole Canadian database, U.S. database with all the contacts. You can get a lot more contacts out of the U.S. than you can in Canada due to our privacy laws. So sales and marketing sometimes buys the full file so that they can find companies that look and act like their own so that they can go and, and spend their sales and marketing dollars. Then there's third-party risk. This was really fun when this came out. So this is the supply chain, right? And so... Uh, there was an oil and gas company here in Calgary some years back, and the new CEO wanted to know, what are we spending with GE? So if you imagine on a ledger that's General Electric, there are so many different abbreviations for it, they couldn't possibly do it. So they came to Dun & Bradstreet, they put out an RFP, we were the only one that could help them. Uh, and so it's to the reverse of looking at credit, but now you're looking at the um, vulnerability in your supply chain right? Where is the global ultimate parent of that company? Um, and, you know, what trickles down? So that's third party risk. Um, we also have a fraud database, right? So companies come to us and want to know, you know, any fraudulent activity. And believe it or not, in trade, we have had companies that try and give us fraudulent trade data. I was, that was pretty crazy um, when uh, somebody came to me and said, we want to give you our data and it was fraudulent. So they're flagged as high risk. And then beneficial ownership um, in terms of public companies, 
um, you know, percentage of shares and that type of thing. I don't know too much about that line of business. My past has always been uh, on the risk side. It just seems to me like it's never stopping from growing because uh, the world changes so much, right? Yes, and so now we're into ESG data, the environment, social, and governance data. Um, it, for instance, the other night I ordered taken from my local pub, and they're using a non-recyclable bag to give me my food, and I'm not happy about that, right? They need to be more environmentally aware. Right. right? So we have ESG scores and rankings now that tell you about your vendors or your customers, Right. So how how aware are they in terms of sustainability? Danone water. Like, what are you doing with your bottles to be a a more sustainable company? So how did you get started in this? I grew up in Pennsylvania. I have a degree in finance and I worked at a company called Norwest Bank, which was a subsidiary of a public bank, Dial Corporation. And I was a branch manager and every quarter we used to have to go dialing for dollars. Right. Get those. It was like a third party. Um, you'd go to buy a refrigerator and we would finance it. So that's the kind of financing it was. And I learned very quickly when to use honey and when to use vinegar in trying to collect the past due dollars, right? And then my sister came to work for me and I, you know, taught her the same thing. And to this day, you know, just dealing with Home Depot yesterday with my um, air conditioning unit, you know, I have to use honey because I want his help, right? So I moved to Canada Calgary in 1986. I started with Dun & Bradstreet in 1987 as a reporter. Um, Steve uh, Cook, you know Steve Cook uh, up there. He was in my quadrant and we were reporters. So we would call the companies and we would update the information. From there, I went into uh, the role of data acquisition, which I'm back in now. And that is back in the day, it was a lot of fun. I got to get in my car and drive around and pick up floppy disks and mag tapes and paper ATBs and bring them back. But I had the windows rolled down and the music on and, and I loved that job. And then I went through a whole bunch of uh, the different sales roles that are available. Uh, and I'm back in this role now for eight years. We, uh, we talk about how important collections are on this podcast frequently, but you just brought something up and I loved it. You talked about you have to know when to use honey and when to use vinegar. How tough is yeah. that? It's not, and you, and you can still make mistakes, but as, as far as collections go, you know, and it's the same thing with trade tape providers. If they aren't providing a tape on time, there's a reason, and you've got to find the reason. That's the key, is what is the reason? Is it due to the pandemic? Is it cash flow? Did they take a big hit? Now they have to hold on to their money. So you have to find the reason. Um, and maybe it's, you know, making a deal with them on on a payment plan. What about working with a company like MedCredit, uh, Brian Sommerfeld and Dave Hopkins? It's a, it's a great group there. It is a great group. Um, I see Dave a lot because we both sit on the uh, Credit Institute of Canada board. Met Credit is very supportive. Um, they supply their uh, collection data to us. Uh, most recently, the um, the U.S. file that they acquired, but we've been getting their trade data since 2013. Uh, and that collection data is very important because when you're looking at a credit report and you see one instance of place for collection, that's important that they let it go that far. If you see more than one, then you know to run, right? So um, MetCredit uh, works with us in terms of what are the industry trends, what's going on, right? And soon I want to talk to Dave uh, and Brian about we have what's called the collection prioritization score only in the U.S. at this time. And that helps you understand, you know, if you put it in your matrix for your collections, that helps you understand the outside piece of information 
on how to prioritize your calls. You mentioned the uh, the big conference up in Banff. Uh, how was that for you? It was really good. There was uh, Todd Hirsch from ATB was there. Uh, common uh, between he and Steve Patterson, they complained about Air Canada bumping their flights. That was pretty funny. Um, Todd Hirsch was talking about, you know, two quarters of contracted GDP is a recession, right? And so are we going to call it that or aren't we? And then what do you do in case of that? And then Steve Patterson, he was the last speaker uh, from the debaters and he had the place crying. He was so funny. He got Dave Hopkins up there and Lena Chandamo up there and they had a splitting. It was, it was a great conference and that was a great way to end it. The single biggest cause of bad debt write-offs is procrastination. With every day you wait, the chances of ever getting paid go down. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect business receivables fast. And if we don't succeed, you don't pay. Go to MetCredit.com and stop waiting for money you deserve. MetCredit, we get it. It's always great to have great conversation with great people. But we're, we're coming out of this pandemic and as much as we don't like to dwell on it on our podcast, we do have to address it because there's been a lot of pivot, a lot of change for a lot of companies. What about for you? There has been, um, you know, with the sanctions going on, uh, Russia, you know, we have to stop data transfers but with the political unrest. There's changes going on right now in China as far as data sharing. When I read that Russia is going to cut off oil supply to Europe for three days, that equates almost to the pandemic. These companies, it's not their fault if they can't operate and make a widget yeah. and sell, right? They can't. So I wonder uh, what's going to happen there. What about from a pandemic standpoint, uh, getting through that is we're still struggling a little bit with it, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was over the previous two years. But that had to, had to be a big change for you. It was. And I was really impressed. Our president at the time, Steve Daffron, um, so in the trade program, we also have some banks and leasing companies. And what, what they saw was some of their customers were paying past due and it was no fault of their own. And so the bank said, we're going to yank our trade tape. And Steve Daffron got on with all of the big ones and said, please don't do that. Let us keep the data and we'll work with you called special handling. If you want us to pull it back 30 days and give them an extra 30 days to pay, we'll do that. So he was very involved in um, ensuring that we kept the data flow coming in. Uh, and we had to log every day. We had to tell him um, who we convinced to stay on and who we didn't. And then he'd get on the phone. So the pandemic was like we we saw shifts in, of course, the whole industries went down, food and beverage, travel, right, um, went down and, and are, are coming back. So um, we're glad to see, you know, not just individual companies, but the trends show that uh, they're rebounding. I'm assuming it's a two-way street between yourselves and MedCredit where there's a constant sharing of information. Is that true or no? Um, MedCredit sends us information. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then yeah. you take that information and do what with it? Okay. So that that's our trade program kind of in a nutshell. So companies... Okay. Their, their first uh, trade file and we write up a code to say this is the layout and then we send them a sample to ensure that we're reading and reporting their data accurately and if they have any special handling rules disputes that we manage those and once they approve the sample we release the data and it goes through matching 
So we have confidence codes where we match the data to the right report. Uh, and then it would show up for Met Credit. It would not show their name. We It's a confidential program. We don't share who's given us the data, but it will just say place for collection and we round the dollar amount. So it would have the, J, the date 8 slash 22, place for collection, high credit now owing, past it. How do, you, how do you think we're progressing through everything over the last three years? Are you finding it a struggle or is it a, just another challenge that has to be dealt with? You know, we're okay when business is good uh, and we're also okay when business isn't quite so good. We don't have a collections arm anymore, but when business isn't quite so good, companies need more and more data to protect that asset, that cherished asset of theirs, right? So they pull more and more data. And of course, now more is going through APIs right into their CRMs or ERP systems to feed their internal scorecards. So yes, there has been um, a big increase in the requirements for data. And then let me tell you about the federal government down in the U.S. They basically got an open portal for the data that they needed so that they could report on um, CDC, where are the worst pockets um, and where do we need the money? Where do we need to spend money, you know, to help throughout? So I thought that was a really interesting project. Uh, and again, on a handshake, the U.S. government saying, of course, we'll pay you. We just need the data right now. Do you find things a little slower in Canada or just a little more cautious? Oh, of course. Uh, in yeah. Canada, back when I was a reporter, we would always ask everybody for their financial statement. And they just keep it way too close to their uh, chest. Whereas in the U.S., if you want to do business with the government, we have to have the financial statement and your scores have to be within a range. So we do get a lot more data and we can pay for a lot more data in the U.S. than we can in Canada. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, we talked about how you got started in the business, but uh, your interest in the business. There had to have been a particular reason why you went this way. You know, I'm a very curious person and I'm a very resourceful person. And I guess in my current role, you have to also be very persistent, right? So you have to just keep chasing and follow up, following up. And, and I like that because I held all the different sales roles. I enjoyed all of them at the time, but I just want to sunset my career with trade basically as a singular focus. I'm calling companies and I'm asking them, for data and in exchange, I'm gonna give them something. It depends on how big the file is. And I like that, it's a singular focus and it works very well for me right now. Sorry, everybody talks about dialogue too. They like to be problem solvers. You're one of those people, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and so if somebody complains about our data, I'll just ask them to be part of the solution, right? Get yeah. your data in there. Exactly. With the relationship you have with MedCredit, for example, uh, it, it sounds like it's fantastic and that kind of thing. How uh, I guess the, the, the best thing about the importance of it is to be able to work with a partner like MedCredit and to be able to help them and other partners that you would have. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say. And uh, I just had a, a very large logistics com a company, a, a conversation with a very large logistics company. And I said, so who do you use for collections? She said, I'm shopping for it. And she's a CCP. And I said, shop no longer. Right. I'm going to introduce you to Dave, yeah. who's also a CCP emeritus. Um, so all of the feedback I get on Met credit collections is very professional. I've met kind of the Western Canadian team. Um, it's all very um, professional. I get very good feedback. And so I know that I am sharing a brand, right, that I can count on. Likewise, when Dave is out on the road, he says to everybody, you should use D&B and you should give them your trade data. So between Dave and I, right, and Met Credit and D&B, uh, very good working relationship. 
Is there anything you want to say that maybe we haven't touched on? Well, um, something did come up and what I'm a fan of uh, right now, as far as protecting your asset is it's called a quote to cash process. And that is on the front end, making good solid decisions with good data available to you. And on the back end is automating the collections. So I'm going to try and make this a visual for you. So imagine you're a collector and you come to your workstation and you have a list of companies that you need to call. You're also going to be told that uh, emails went out to this many customers because it's a week before they're due. You're going to see how many emails went out reminding them that the invoice is due today. Uh, it's going to tell you what your uh, collection uh, percentages as of today, your DSO, the amount outstanding. So what the Dun & Bradstreet has when it's called FIS, it's powered by FIS Get Paid. And so I come into work and um, the way the tool works is that you build a grid, a matrix that says, if a company owes me more than $10,000 and is 60 days past due, they get one email, then they get a phone call. If they don't respond, it goes to the sales team and we cut them off, right? So you build these rules into this tool. And what's so neat now is that's only your own data, right? Now you add a, a third party piece of data like Dun & Bradstreet's Paydex or our Days Beyond Terms to Others, any one of our scores. And now that helps you prioritize and spend the time where you need to spend the time, right? A lot of companies I talk to, they start their collections uh, at 60 days by the highest balance. That yeah. could be way too that could be way too late. And they also need to have a collections policy that says at 90 days it's going to my preferred collection third party. I just think that's so important instead of letting it drag on and drag on. It's all about being efficient and uh, I, I guess seeing a problem come before it actually appears on your doorstep. I think it's important that um, you know you have the right people in place. I'm a big, big advocate of the CCP designation. I really am because if you put Susie who's the receptionist on collections, you know, if you have to call the same company month after month for a late payment, you build up kind of a, a judgment against them and you don't want to call. So you put it off for another day and then you get busy and you don't call. And now it's 45 days, right? So you need a professional in there that has a collection policy and then turns it over to a Met credit when they're not successful. It's great when you're part of the team too, right? Where you can help each other. Yeah. And getting sales involved right? Letting yeah. the sales team know that, um, you know, they're, they're not paying. So I'm going to put them on credit hold. Well, that's it for today's episode of Overdue Advice. Big thank you to Stephanie Fleons for sharing her insight on today's podcast. Hey, it's easy to find us online. MetCredit is on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, at MetCredit. You can also check out Brian Sommerfeld's blog. It's easy to find that too. It's blog.medcredit.com. And don't forget the website also includes numerous helpful tools and calculators to assess your business debt risk. We also want to hear from you, so subscribe, like, or leave us a review on this or any of our podcasts, and make sure you share this podcast with your friends or business associates. You can drop us a line at overdueadvice at metcredit.com. Overdue Advice, the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. I'm Bryn Griffiths. You 
you run a business, you're successful. You don't wait for things to happen. You make them happen. So why aren't you collecting what's owed to you? The longer you wait, the less chance you'll ever see a cent. <laughs> so call Met Credit. We're your local debt recovery team, serving businesses of all sizes since 1973. And don't worry, we play nice. We're here to uphold your reputation and relationships. And speaking of nice, if we don't collect, you don't pay. Zero risk. Get to know us for when you need us at metcredit.com. 